from St. Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians, now y'all are the body of Christ and individually members of it. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, good morning. You know, one of my favorite sermons to preach all year is not Christmas or Easter. Those get me excited. I like them. But my favorite one, in fact, my new favorite sermon of all year is the Stewardship Sermon. And it might sound weird to you if you don't know what a Stewardship Sermon is. It's when the priest gets up and talks about money for the year to come. And I'll be honest with you, most clergy don't like it. Frankly, I don't like it in some level of my being, but a lot of of times clergy, the rector, will kind of punt to a guest preacher. In fact, I've done that. About eight years ago, I had a gentleman named Father John Burwell from South Carolina. You might know him. He's a friend of mine. And he got up and talked about stewardship. Um, But I don't do that anymore. Now I do it myself. And the reason is simply this, that I get really excited about it. I'm pumped about stewardship. We keep the fun and fundraising at Trinity Vero. And the reason, is, the reason I'm excited about it is because it's an opportunity for us as a family, the family of Trinity Episcopal Church, to kind of get together and dream and pray about how God is going to use us in the year to come, literally to change our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we do. And here's why I really get excited about stewardship, why I am personally excited about it myself, simply this that people love to give to things they love, right? People love to give to things they love. I love to give things to my children. I love to give things to my wife, Kathy. I love to give things to my church, whom I love, to my God, whom I love. I mean, I said this on Christmas Day, you know, this past, or Christmas Eve this past year. You know, as I get older as a man, you know, when I was a kid, you know, you always wanted to get gifts on Christmas Day. You'd run downstairs and you'd tear the presents open and look for the G.I. Joe with the Kung Fu grip. That's an 80s joke, if you don't know that one. But now, you know, this past year, I, I literally sat on the sofa and watched my, my girls, my wife and my children, open their gifts, and man, my heart was just overflowing with joy, with love. Why? Well, because we love to give to things we love. Simple. And I want to talk about that today, because we don't, I don't think as Christians spend enough time thinking about what it means to give, that there's really joy in it. And today we're going to look at three biblical ideas, I mean, there's lots of them, but three things that I want to talk about this morning about this idea of giving, giving to those that we love, giving as Christians. Three points today, that giving is an act of worship, that's huge. Giving is an act of trusting in God, that's also huge. And then giving as an act of the body of Christ. Giving is worship giving as learning to trust in God more and more, and then finally, giving as an act of the body of Christ. So first thing I'm going to look at today, because it's counterintuitive, but it's actually obvious when you look at it, is that for the Christian, giving is an act of worship. Now, honestly, most people do not think of giving money as worship. I will tell you, when I pay my real estate taxes or I pay my taxes on my income or I pay capital gains taxes, the last thing that's going through my mind is worship, truth be told. But the fact of the matter is, when you give in the church, it is worship. Why? Because we love to give to things we love. 
Let me give you an example. There's lots of examples. I'm just going to give you one, maybe two if you're lucky. First thing, <laughs> Genesis 28. There's a guy named Jacob. Jacob is a kind of a scoundrel. He's not kind of a scoundrel. He is a scoundrel. He's a bad guy. He's a manipulator. And God chose him, which is typically how this goes. And so Jacob is out in the wilderness, and he falls into a trance. And he sees a vision, right? They call it Jacob's ladder. It's actually a stairway. A stairway to heaven, a.k.a. Led Zeppelin. It's where they got it from. Anyway, Jacob sees this stairway, angels ascending and descending on this stairway to heaven. And he comes out of this trance, out of this dream, out of this whatever theophany he has, this vision. And it says in Genesis chapter 28 that he awoke from this trance. Listen, the first thing he does is he worships God. And he says, ready for this? All that you have given me, God, I will give a tenth back to you. That's known as the tithe. I'll get to that more in a second. But the idea here is that Jacob, the first thing he does when he experiences the living God is he worships and he gives. Why? Because giving is an act of worship. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago on Epiphany, on the Feast of the Epiphany, I talked about how the wise men, the magi, they arrived to meet this baby, this infant toddler Jesus, and they meet him and they fall down, and what do they do? They worship him, and then they give gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Well, why is that? Because giving is an act of worship. We give to what we love. You know, when I was younger, um, I mean 25 years younger, when I was in my early 20s, 23, 24, I, I would often, I, I would always dismiss this idea of a guy getting up in church and talking about money. Because after all, it was my money. You know, and, and actually, in some sense, that's actually true. I mean, giving violates every rule of Keynesian economics, right? Giving away with no, nothing expected in return. So in one sense, that's actually true. It is my money, and God does not need a thing from me. He's the creator. I am the created. He's God. I am not. He doesn't need anything from me. He's not dependent upon me. But what I realized later on as I got older and more mature in my faith, and I grew up a little bit, is I realized something. It's not really my money at all. I mean, it is his. It's all his. Even my being is his. He created me. He created you. Everything you have comes from God. The fact that you woke up this morning and there's breath in your lungs right now is a gift from God. And so tithing doesn't change you, change God. Giving, tithing, does not change God. It changes you. That's why tithing, 10% of our income into the work of the church, is so important because, friends, it changes you. It changes me. I'll prove it. Prove it to you, right? That's easy to say. Let's boil that down. I'll prove it. Here's a question. Where do you spend your money? And if you don't know, look at your credit card statement. You could probably get it online right now if you wanted to on your phone. Don't do that. <laughs> because where you think about it, I mean, just think about it logically. It's obvious when you stop and think that where you spend your money, you spend your money on the things that you love. You spend your money, another way to see it, on the things that you worship. I'll give you an example in my own life. I will confess to you among friends today that I have a thing for electric guitars. I do. You may know that, you may know that already. 
I, and not cheap ones either. Expensive electric guitars, not terribly expensive, but more than, I mean, look, I can only play one at a time, and I've got probably seven or eight of them. Uh, it's kind of a bit ridiculous. I had a guy come over to the house to do some work for me, and he's like, got some guitars there? And I said, yeah, it's kind of a problem, actually. <laughs> but I like guitars. My heart goes there. I enjoy them. I play them. I enjoy them for their own sake. But before I buy a guitar, before I do anything, the first thing I do is I tithe 10% of my income to this church. And what that does in my heart is it keeps Jesus the main thing. It keeps my heart focused on God. It makes him front and center where he deserves. In fact, Jesus says this very thing I'm going to show you. It's subtle, but pay attention. In Matthew chapter uh, 6, verse 21, Jesus says this, not about guitars, but about giving. <laughs> he says, uh, listen to this. He says, where your treasure is, listen closely, right? It's real subtle, but you'll see it when I show you. Where your treasure is, there your heart will go. Super subtle. Where you put your treasure, your heart will follow. We, in fact, if we don't think about it, tend to think of we like things and so we buy them. But Jesus is saying, ah, wait a minute. Whatever you buy, your heart will follow that. We all know this. You know, you invest money in Apple stock, for example, when it's at 175, your heart worries about it. Your heart goes there because it fell last week. Or if you buy things you spend your money on, your heart actually follows those things. Where you spend your money is where your heart goes. Why? Because giving is an act of worship. We love to give to things we love. I mean, you want to know what you really worship? Look at your statements. Look at where your money goes. Look at your Amazon cart. Look at your buying history on Amazon. Where do you spend your money? That is where your heart goes. That is, in fact, what you worship. And that is why giving first to Christ is, the most, is an act of worship. 10% because we, give, we love to give to what we love. Giving is an act of worship. But then secondly, giving is an act of worship. We put things, we, we give to what we worship, but we also, another thing to think about this too is that giving is an act of faith. Let me show you this. Let's go back to this, this tithe business a minute. Um, the biblical standard of giving is the tithe, 10% of your income back to the church. People like to argue, is that pre-tax or post-tax? I don't care. Honestly, spare me. We've got bigger things to worry about. Either way, the idea is that tithe, the 10% of, of your income back to God is the biblical standard. Now, let me challenge you. That's a lot of money. It requires you to modify your lifestyle to do it, which is the whole point. You've got to put him first. He becomes your primary. But let me put it to you another way. If everything you have is a gift from God, which is true, then what God is saying is you are managing everything you have. All I want is 10% back. You keep 90. Any of you ha here have uh, portfolios? You all do, right? Retirement funds, people that maybe manage your money. Imagine you were a money manager, and someone said, all right, all right, Bill, I'm going to give you $5 million of my money, and you're going to manage it for me, and you're going to make as much as you can off of that. You are my steward of what's mine. Here's $5 million bucks, Bill. You can take that money. All you got to give me is 10% back. That's a deal. What God is saying is, I have given you everything. I've given you everything, and what I am asking back from you 
is 10% to the ministry of this church. You get to keep 90, that is a good deal. Christian stewardship, friends, is like being a money manager for God. Christian stewardship says that everything fundamentally comes from him. I mean, if you think about it, I could have been born on the steps of Tibet in the 8th century, for example, right? I had no decision to be born in Yonkers, New York in 1968. That's where I was born. You had no decision about your genetic makeup, who your parents were, when you were born, where you were born, why you were born. You had nothing to do with any of that. God created you. Everything you have flows from him. Sure, you work hard. I work hard. That's because God gave you the gift to work hard. But friends, Jesus gives us everything, and all he asks back from us is 10%. Jesus says, everyone to whom much is given, this haunts me, I'll be honest with you, everything to whom much is given of him, much will be required. So here's a question. Here's what I want you to think about today. What has God given you? And, and notice something. This, this text from 1 Corinthians this morning, chapter 12, we're not all given the same stuff. We're all different. The members of the body of Christ are diverse. We're all different people from each other, different strengths, different weaknesses, different gifts, different shortcomings. We all come from different backgrounds, good and bad, broken, fallen, and functioning in different ways. But the standard you see, the standard is always the same no matter who you are. 10% is what God says is the tithe that God says we give back to him. 10% of what he has given to you. Now I'll tell you, if you're thinking to yourself, all right, no. <laughs> then you're in good company because that's what I used to think too. Let me show you something here. When I was uh, 23, or so. I first heard about tithing at Good Shepherd Rosemont. My, my parents had sent me to seminary. I'd never heard about tithing before. No one ever told me. I thought, yeah, yeah, no, I'm not doing it. Okay, fine. And then I decided to not tithe. I just kind of gave, threw a couple bucks in the plate, kind of like a tip, you know, to God, so that nobody would see that I wasn't giving anything. I'd throw some money in there or put it in envelopes and nobody could see. But, but here's the interesting thing I want you to see here. It gets even more profound. That in the, the, the tithe, Father Moyer, the rector, showed me something which I had never known before. That God's requirement for a tithe actually comes with a promise. The, the requirement for a tithe is a quid pro quo. Let me show you this. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. It's the last book before the New Testament where Christ returns, where Christ arrives, written 500 years roughly before the birth of Jesus. Malachi says this. Bring the full tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. This is God talking to the people. Listen to this. God says, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord, if I will not open the window of heaven for you and pour down blessing upon you. Listen to that. Put me to the test, God. You know, one of the, one of the top, one of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not put the Lord thy God to the test. Right? You've heard that before. That is always true except here. The tithe is the only place where God says, try me. God actually puts you in the position of calling the shots over him. He is saying to you, if you do this, I will do this. Quid pro quo. I'm not making this up. This is what God's word says. And God is saying, go ahead and test me, try me, and see if I will not keep my word. I dare you. 
I double dog dare you. When I first heard that, when Father Moyer explained that to me, I thought, he said, try it. Try it. And I did. And I'm going to give you one quick story. Kathy and I were in seminary. I'd been gone from making lots of money as an IT guy to making nothing in seminary. And at one point, Amy, my oldest daughter, had a hospital bill for $1,000. She fell and hit her head. Long story. But anyway, where are we going to get $1,000? The kids were on WIC. We had no health insurance. It was a mess. Anyway, we were literally wrestling with this question, and we got a, a letter in the mail from my friend Mike Hillenbrand, who's a parishioner back at Good Shepherd Rosemont. Open up the letter. I had no idea about any of this. He had no idea about my circumstances. I opened the letter, and there was a check for $1,000, exactly the amount we needed to the penny. Here's the thing. God really does keep his word. And it's not just me. You can ask people in this parish that tithe. Not too long ago, somebody in this parish said they decided to take the challenge, and their practice grew by 200%. I'm not making this up. And all I, and all I can say to you is I can tell you my own experience and the experience of those in this parish and what the word of God says. God says, try me. Tempt me. Trust me. And see if I will not rain down blessing upon you. Because giving is an act of worship, friends. It is. But it's also an act of learning to trust God, to see if he will do what he says he will. And then finally, giving is an act of the member of the body of Christ. You know, we tend to think of this as the primary. It's not. The primary point of giving is not just raising money for a church. This is the third, fourth, maybe fifth most important thing. But the reality is that we are members of the body of Christ. You are individually a member of the body of Christ, Paul says. We call that body Trinity Episcopal Church. This is our body of Christ and our little part of the vineyard, right? And the reality is that our annual fund, our operating budget, is funded only one way, and that's by pledges from you and me. If, if people in this parish give, we can do. If people in this parish don't give, we can't. It's that simple. We don't get money from any outside organization. Our entire operating budget, our annual fund, is funded by you, by the person in your seat, and me. I tithe here as well. And the reality is God says, look, I have called you into this body. You are called to be accountable for the maintenance of it. You are called to be supporters of it. You know, this parish continues to be the fastest-growing church in the Diocese of Central Florida has been for the past five or six years. There's lots of new things happening. We've launched a preschool three years ago. We're getting ready to launch our kindergarten this year, God willing. I'm getting ready to hire a third priest, a curate, uh, who will then be the, the chaplain to the preschool parents. That's sort of the plan. But we have, we, this place is growing by leaps and bounds. People are coming here to meet Jesus, sometimes for the very first time. It is no overstatement, friends, to say that we and the church do the most important work of any human endeavor, period. The work we do in the church is the most important work ever, the saving of souls and bringing people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen? That is what we do. That is what we do. But it's up to every single one of us as the body of Christ to support it. And friends, that is why I am excited about this because we've got a lot of growth and a lot of joy and a lot of fun in this parish, a lot of joy in the gospel 
And I am going to give to the things that I love. And the things that I love, the first thing I love, is God and his son, Jesus Christ. And I give joyfully to that. And by the way, let me say that real quick. Scripture also says that God loves a joyful giver. So if you're giving out of resentment or frustration or guilt, don't. Instead, come talk to me. And let me, let's find out what's going on. If you're not giving in joy, then don't do it because you're kind of missing the point. The whole idea of giving to God, worshiping God, giving joyfully is something you want to be a part of. Friends, we give to those things that we love. So here's my challenge to you this morning, friends, because we are all in this together as the body of Christ. Will you join me together as a family? And I don't use that lightly. As brothers and sisters in Christ in this little corner of the vineyard to do the most important work on earth, to bring, to grow in our knowledge and love of God and his son, Jesus Christ, and to bring other people to a saving knowledge of him. Will you join me with joy? Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your word, which teaches us that Christian giving is an act of worship, an act of faith, and an act of the members of the body of Christ. Teach us to be good stewards who give joyfully, who give lovingly to the thing that we love, your son Jesus, and the ministry to which he calls us. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinityvero.org and follow us on Facebook.